Our I want to welcome you to an edition of Brothers Grimm. Bub, welcome to the show. Hello. And uh, this is a little bit different from what we've been doing, because as you can hear, the creature's behind the mic. But it's this kind of the same kind of thing, you know, uh, as we've always done, which was talk about horror, you know. And uh, tonight we're going to give you the, the theme of tonight is an ultra special 2000s horror talk. Uh, Bub, I don't know, I, we're not going to get there yet, but this was extremely challenging for me. I know it was a challenging for you, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very hard because I, I, you know, trying to think of like movies that are made during 2000 and 2010, uh, I, I didn't realize how many of the movies I actually liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, that was a list that I was not ready to cut down to five. Dude, there's some good ones in 2000 and it's like. What's funny is that, like, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of horror fans were, like, kind of saying that horror was dead and stuff during that time, you know? But it's like, if you're a horror fan, you're always going to find those deeper cuts and, you know, uh, cool stuff. And there's a lot of cool stuff that came out, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think because also when you're during a time period, you don't really think of all the good stuff sometimes until mm-hmm. you're reflecting back on it and you like appreciate horror a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So that, that's always a thing too, I think. Cause I always say that about this last decade, I'm like, Oh, nothing's come out. It's been a bunch of shit, but really we've had quite a few, <laughs> even yeah. the last decade too. So Yeah. Uh, so first things up. So this is going to drop on a Thursday. So that'll be October 14th. And we've just had one of the biggest trailers that we've gotten since, you know, Halloween kills and, but it seems like the return of the franchise, right? All these franchise horror is coming back. All the icons are coming back in good ways. And um, I think this was apparent on the Scream 5 trailer. Um, directed by, what are the guys' names? Matt Beninelli, Open, and Tyler Glett. They did like Ready or Not, Southbound, and VHS. Um, the synopsis, of course, they're not going to you know reveal quite yet. But in this trailer... We get to see uh, some familiar faces and uh, some familiar slashings. So what did you think about this trailer, man? Uh, I dug it. I, I, I watched it twice. I watched it once, just regular, and then I watched it with subtitles because I wanted mm-hmm. to really see what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, I... <laughs> did you watch the Spanish one? <laughs> I did. I watched. Hola. Yeah. He's like, hola, Sydney. It's an honor. <laughs> <laughs> That trailer was so shoddy. It was like, yeah, I was like, this trailer's got to be fake. Douglas uh, Connor, he sent that to me. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not going to watch this. And then I ended up watching it, of course. And I was like, oh, this looks kind of shoddy. But yeah, yeah it, it was good. I I like the premise of having, um, you know, people that were related to the killers being mm-hmm. attacked now. I think that's mm-hmm. a cool angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is something, though, I don't like about the trailer. But uh, All right, um, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Well, it's more about, um, I don't like the scene where Gail's screaming because it's like, well, why is she screaming like that? What Mm -hmm. is happening? Who is dying? So I'm worried about that. But obviously, you know. You worried about Dewey? Yeah. Yeah. Don't take my Dewey. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that like beginning scene, which is very reminiscent of the, um, of the Drew Barrymore 
death in the first one. But Rose was like, why the hell are they showing me all this? Like, I don't want to see all this, you know, because he pops out behind her and stuff like that, you know. The yeah, door lock so stuff. Yeah. The door lock stuff is, was creeping me out because we have one of those electric locks. And I'm like, ah. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to see all, I don't want to see how the whole part plays out. I, I think they could have just cut that part out, but that's why I'm probably not going to watch any more trailers again. That's what's weird about some of these trailers, right? Is it's like even the um which I'm assuming that it's uh Billy Loomis is it's got to be he's got to be related to B- Billy Loomis, the guy with the muscle car. Yeah. But it shows you the lights sla- uh, flashing on him, and then he goes and turns them off, and then the killer's standing right behind him. So I'm like, well, he's like, that's his death, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know about these trailers, though. Yeah, that show quite a bit, you know, stuff. One thing that I noticed um, in this trailer, dude, and I, I don't know if you picked it up or not, but like, I feel like this one was a little bit more mean spirited than the rest of the series. Like, it seemed like there was a, like, a real cynicism. And like, um, maybe that this killer's like for real or whatever, like Dewey's talking about, you know, this, this one isn't like the, a couple of the last ones and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It looked ultra violent. I mean, someone's like on fire and like the mm-hmm. stabbings and yeah, it looked pretty, it looked pretty brutal. Uh, I would say. Yeah. Do you think that, uh, they're bringing Stu back? Is that why? I hope so. I mean, I think it would be, it would definitely mean a lot if they did i think a lot of fans would go crazy for that <laughs> do they need to probably not but it would be cool i don't know what do you think of that yeah i don't know like it, it would be kind of um it would be sort of cool like if they were like wait who the fuck is it then and then they pulled his mask off and it was like a mutant <laughs> <laughs> it was just like a random mutant well, I, I was thinking, like, after I watched it, I was, like, outside. I was actually cutting grass. I was thinking of this, oddly enough. And, uh, you know, that's where horror heads' minds go sometimes, where we're just, oh, like, yeah. randomly doing some shit. And I was like, what if Donnie Ibarra made this movie, mm-hmm. and I made it Stu, but Stu was in prison after being, you know, having the TV thrown on his head, and he started getting, like, black magic or, like, some witchcraft shit, and then he became you know, this immortal killer. And they finally got their Jason Voorhees for the franchise. Mm-hmm. Obviously that's not going to happen, but that's just in my mind. I'm like, Ooh, what if he was an unstoppable killer like Jason? Yeah. Or Stu's Stu has a tumor and that tumor breaks off from him and starts killing. <laughs> it's like Stu backwards. <laughs> Dir- Scream directed by James Wan. Um, but yeah, so the next icon that we got, so that's the big news this week is of course the release of Halloween kills, which, uh, do you plan on seeing that this Thursday, Friday? Yeah, I just, we got our tickets for Thursday. We're heading out with, uh, David James and, and, uh, Resney Stewart. Uh, oh, nice, gonna, man. They're going to meet us over there Thursday at 7 PM. I'm excited. Nice. Shout out to David James and, uh, uh, Doug Connor and all of our spooky friends for sure. Nice. Uh, yeah, so totally. yeah. Th- this is a, uh, I'll, I'll probably see it. I'll probably try to catch it on, um, yeah, like you said, like Thursday night, if not Friday matinee. Um, maybe uh, maybe a, a certain Sarah Rose won't know about it, and I'll sneak out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to wait, because I know the internet is going to be giving all the shit oh, away God. always. Yeah. So I definitely want to see it as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's happening. Scream coming back, Ghostface, and Michael Myers coming back, and we got Chucky back. The actual Chucky. I know that you like the remake and stuff. 
I was kind of pissed off about it. <laughs> you know, I was kind of vocal about it. But the Chucky series on sci-fi, um, you know, the original creator is back. It looks really good. Um, I know I, I, I know you've probably seen the trailer by now because it's been out a couple weeks. Uh, but that actually premieres this week as well. Um, we're recording this on a Tuesday, so tonight I think it um, premieres. Yeah. Yeah. But um, what did you think of that? It seems like the old Chucky's back. I can't remember if we've talked about this, but I felt like it was like a uh, release week. So I wanted to get all the horror fans over there to watch it because it looks good, man. Yeah, you know, it's gotten really good reviews so far. And and I haven't tried to read like the details of the reviews, just like the reactions. And a lot of people have said that uh, Don Cini is or Don Mancini is really Mm -hmm. on his game with the Mm -hmm. writing and the characters and that you actually do care about these characters. Um, and I think he's been good about doing that for the series overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to go back a little bit, what you said earlier, like with all these franchises and the killer, I mean, we, you've had Wrong Turn started the year, which was mm-hmm. like a, a reboot of the franchise. We have Chucky, we have Scream, we have Halloween. Um, I'm trying to think of others, but- Candyman. Candyman. Yep. Yeah, it's been a big year for like all of these. Uh, I would I would like to see, you know, even more announcements for some others, but- um, and, well, and of course, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is going to be coming out soon. So mm-hmm. it's a big year, I think, for slashers and horror fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that, man. I'll probably check it out right when we get done recording here. Because yeah, um, I'm a big, you know, Don Mancini and Chucky fan. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on was um, uh, Netflix docuseries, The Movies That Made Us. Have you caught any of those? Uh, no, I want to see the one. I think it's about Child's Play, though, right? Yeah, so the new uh, the new season um, is about it's season three premieres tonight as well, so it's already probably on Netflix, and it um, it includes A Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth, Halloween, um, Aliens, and RoboCop. So it's like you know all oh, yeah. those movies are being covered, I guess. So uh, and I hadn't checked out too too much from the first two seasons. I think I checked out the um, um, I can't remember what movie it was even. Damn, Didn't I think it was Terminator like- or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, didn't they do a He-Man or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was like the toys that made us or something. I think it's the one that I checked out. But yeah, this this month, of course, seems to be like uh, horror-related, so I wanted to also give that a shout-out. Have you been reading anything, bub? Um, So I finished uh, There's Someone... Somebody inside your house before mm-hmm. I watched the movie. Uh, I finished that. It was good. Uh, the movie I liked. Did you did you watch that? I have not watched the movie yet. No. Yeah, the movie was good. There's mm-hmm. there's things about it. Uh, if you listen to the episode we did this week with Doug Connor, we kind of talk about it briefly. But mostly, I would say uh, definitely read the book. Well, you read the book, but it's qu- mm-hmm. it's a quick read. Uh, oh, yeah. There's there's some things in the movie they do a little bit better with the way the killer uh, operates. So I think mm-hmm. you'll I think you'll really appreciate that. Um, I did start Night of the Mannequins by Stephen Ooh. Graham Jones. I want to get that read before next week because he's coming to Colgate to do a book signing and he's going to talk about All Good Indians. So I'm going to um, take those and meet him and try to get those signed if I can. And then um, aside from that, uh, not really much. I did just watch VHS 94 on Shutter. Really? Uh, and it was okay. Um, I, I still, I don't know how uh, much... I guess I enjoy still the found footage aspect, but mm-hmm. um, there is a, a there are two really good segments in it, so I would recommend just to watch those at least. But mm-hmm. overall, I would say they, these uh, segments were pretty strong with like special effects and gore. Um, but there's one about a sewer 
and it's it's really weird and it's really creepy uh i think you'll dig it it's about like a it's a, it's a creature kind of feature oh nice oh yeah, yeah. man yeah I'm in. what about you i have um so i've been reading a lot um i've been watching the i've been doing the um chuck moore my buddy chuck moore i had him on horrifying my friends you got to have him on fatal follower man he's an awesome uh he's an awesome horror fan but um he has me kind of doing like the uh, the thirty one days of ho- uh, like horror Halloween or whatever. So I've been watching, uh, returning to classics like Monkey Shines and um, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, um, Prince of Darkness, um, a lot of like uh, movies that I don't watch enough. You know, uh, like yeah. especially Monkey Shines. Like I hadn't seen that in a couple years, and I was like, man, this movie's so fucking good. <laughs> it's really good, and George good. Romero like. Uh, given us like this monkey slasher 80s horror movie I, I think it's pretty fun i like it did you get that uh did you pick up that release when screen factory put it out uh i have not but i probably will now yeah. uh yeah i watched it i caught it streaming I, I i can't remember if it was on shutter or amazon prime um but oh dude the scene when he's like uh when the guy's like trying to trick the monkey and the monkey goes over to the table and lights a little candle oh, <laughs> i was like oh I want a little monkey to do my killings for me. Yeah, I wouldn't want to kill him. I mean, he's he's just a little monkey. Why would you want yeah. to do that? <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want that, though? It's like, hey, just go pick him off. You know, whatever. Um, there, was that, there was that story about the old lady that was training her cats to, like, steal from <laughs> the neighbors. <laughs> Could you imagine? That would be, like, crazy. <laughs> uh, so another big release, like, another note that I wanted to cover on here. Uh, and this is right up your fucking alley. I haven't picked up my copy yet. I ordered it on Barnes and Noble, and I'm gonna pick it up tomorrow on when I get off work. Uh, it's called Pearl by Josh Mallerman. Uh, it was originally published as On This Day, The Day of the Pig in 2019, uh, but it went out of print, and they were like, "All right, let's just release it again." Their uh, synopsis: There's something strange about Walter Koppel's farm. See, right there, I'm in. Like, yeah. I wouldn't even need to read any more of this. Like. Because in what way would it go where I wouldn't be in? It's like there's something strange about Walter Koppel's farm. Uh, Even if it said, like, he's found love, I'd be like, okay. You know, is he in love with, like, the dead? or (laughs) He's in love with blood. At, At first, it seems to be his grandson who cruelly murders one of Walter's pigs in an act of seemingly senseless violence. But then the rumors begin. People in town whisper that Walter's grandson heard a voice that commanded him to kill. And that <laughs> and that the voice belongs to a most peculiar creature, Walter's pig Pearl. <laughs> that's all you need to hear. I, there's more, but I'm like, that's all I need to hear. Yeah. A, a yeah, killer telepathic pig. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever watch that sleazy-ass movie from the 70s called Pigs? No, no. What? Oh, what is this? <laughs> like it? It's uh, it, Vinegar Syndrome put it out on Blu-ray actually, and it's like about a. I think it's like a truck stop diner or something. But there's a lady there that's feeding the pigs, <laughs> the customers, I guess, or something. It's really wild. You should do it, though. Dude, that's the, that sounds like such a Danya Barra movie. <laughs> it really is. I I'm into. Uh, I think I talked to you about this before, but I'm into movies where people feed their pets humans, like. <laughs> eaten alive or uh well obviously monkey shines is a fun one but mm-hmm. they use animals or like whatever kind of mm-hmm. get back get back at people 
yeah, yeah, eaten alive, Willard, Willard, like any any movie where he's like friends with the animals. I'm always like, ah, oh, don't hurt the animals and stuff. <laughs> Have you? Um, there's another one, not to get on a tangent, but you know why not? Uh, there's a 80s slasher called Madhouse. Have you seen that one? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, is that the one? Telepathic yeah. link with the Rottweiler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That cover's killer too. I think uh, did Anchor Bay put that out? I uh, think Arrow. Uh, put it out, Arrow. Yeah. yeah, Arrow. Yeah. yeah, I was like, that cover is killer too, man. Like that, oh, yeah. I think they're standing like on a staircase or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bub, if you don't have any other news, um, I know this is a busy week and stuff for horror. Like I said, I'm sure we'll both uh, review Halloween Kills on our uh, separate channels or together or whatever. That's a big release for horror. Um, but yeah, our topic of the week is five favorite 2000s horror movies. So these aren't necessarily the best, you know. I gave us a little out because of some of the some of the trash that are on my list, but uh, <laughs> but these are like kind of the ones that like the way that I did this was kind of like I returned to these because I like have some kind of nostalgia about them or you know like um, like watching this when I was younger and stuff. So we'll do the regular kind of countdown and then we'll hit you with about eighty. Different, <laughs> eighty different honorable mentions. Right, pull up a chair. It's going to be a while. <laughs> Put on the T. <tea. laughs> yeah. So, Bub, do you want to start with your number five? All right. So, number five, um, I'm going to go with a movie that I saw with shout out to Marion uh, Monroe. <laughs> uh, we went to Circle Center Theater or Circle Center Theater, yep, in downtown Indianapolis to watch this. Uh, the weekend it came out and it is final destination from 2000. Oh, um, after we left the movie theater, we were so freaked out. And this is one of those movies where the whole, uh, angle for what's happening. I mm -hmm. still think about in certain situations. Oh yeah. Uh, so it's definitely done its work. Um, this one stars Devin Sawa, Ellie Larder, Kerr Smith, and Tony Todd. Um, mm. Sawa portrays a teenager who cheats death after having a premonition of a catastrophic plane explosion. He and several of his classmates leave the plane before the explosion occurs, but death later takes the lives of those who are meant to die on the plane. Now, this movie began as a script written by Reddick for an episode of The X-Files. Um, and a colleague at New Line Cinema persuaded Reddick, the writer, to do it as a feature-length film. And if you watch it, it plays out very much like an X-Files episode. It's very strange, oh, yeah. it's very odd. Um, and it was at that prime time of um, the teenage slasher movement. So you are getting a slasher, but in a different way. Um, so I, I like this one. I think this one's my favorite also, just because it has the shadow in it of death that you don't see in the other movies really. Um, I thought that was a cool aspect and I wish they had continued in the other sequels, but this is a big franchise that started too from this movie. What do you think of this one? Oh, dude, I, that's absolutely one of the, uh, like you said, every one of the classics of the early two thousands. Um, and every so often you'll think about a scene from that movie and that movie in particular, um, especially the airplane thing. Like I'm always like so fucking paranoid on airplanes. <laughs> We got that from mom, I think, because mom's terrified of airplanes. I, I can't either. <laughs> yeah, I think we got a lot of our uh, fears from mom and <laughs> <Yeah>. other stuff. 
<laughs> but yeah, like uh, that scene, man, is so chilling, man. And then like, like you said, seeing the kind of Green Reaper like shadow, like in that tea kettle. Um, and then there's another scene that always freaks me out. It's when they're like arguing by the train tracks and the train just runs over something and it like beheads that guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, ugh. everybody, it's it's like a cruel setup because people are doing everyday stuff. Like there's like mm-hmm. a guy getting ready to take a shower, I think. And it shows like a lady making tea and she's got her coffee or her tea in her hand or hot coffee, whatever. And she's like at the computer. Like there's so many things that they incorporated that we all do still every day. So I think it's one of those movies that can be timeless in a way too, with the fears of um, this accident could lead to this. I mean, they do it in such an elaborate way where (laughs) certain things happen. Like the teacher got it so bad and it was just, it was extensive, but it's just kind of, I guess, showcasing that fear of like everyday things will kill you, like probably in the end. Um, and death is coming back for them. And I always thought that was a, a cool angle for the slasher uh, uh, film. So definitely around this time, obviously Screams out, Urban Legend, like all these movies are out around this time. So this was just a, an abstract way of showcasing teen slasher movies, I think. Yeah, kind of a, it's a weird idea and like a, like you, you mentioned a couple times, like the teen slasher movement, and it was just it did something different, and that's why it stood out for me. Like, and uh, Tony Todd's character is always like really, really cool in that one too. Like the because uh, he's like a he's like a voodoo guy or something in that, or maybe that's Hatchet, but oh, is yeah. it? He's a mortician in the final. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. He's always like a mortician or like some uh, voodoo god or something like that. Um, but yeah, that's an excellent, excellent movie, man. And like I said, there's, there's a lot more heavy hitters than I thought there were just looking at a lot of these movies. Um, number five for me is going to be Slither, uh, directed by James Gunn, another Scream Factory release, uh, I believe. Um, I, I, the synopsis, Weasley is a small town where not much happens and everyone minds his own business. No one notices when the evil slips in quietly, but when people find mutilated livestock and a woman goes missing, Ser- Sheriff Bill Party, uh, who's Nathan Fillion, discovers an alien organism that threatens to devour all life on Earth. So um, James Gunn of uh, you know uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, Suicide Squad fame, uh, this is one of his early movies, you know, right out of trauma. This came out in, I think, 2006, 2005, 2006, maybe. Yeah. Um, but this was one of those movies. These these first couple movies for me were like, um, and I don't know who I first watched this with, whether it was you or dad or something, but it was like one of those early movies in my foundation of like, um, of getting into like buying movies and collecting movies and stuff. This movie is absolutely fucking hilarious, though. Like, <laughs> like so hilarious. Like, especially, I wrote down a quote when, when that woman, like, uh, bloats up from all those, like, squirmy little insects. And she's <laughs> like, can you just hand me a little piece of that possum over there? <laughs> Bub, what did you think about Sliver? Uh, yeah, I loved it. I, I think, uh, I can't remember if this was one that I caught in the theater or if it was, like, at home or whatever, but... Uh, I did get that Scream Factory release, and it's pretty loaded, so definitely mm-hmm. recommend that. But uh, I love it. I think it's a good um, showcase of what James Gunn does best, is he mm-hmm. creates uh, these worlds where characters are fully realized, and you care about them, and they're funny, mm-hmm. but there's also that darker element to it. And <laughs> the gore and like the special effects are like phenomenal. Like that, there's so many standout scenes, but like the ending, like when you see 
this like Lovecraftian like body <laughs> body thing, this bloated ass body. Like it's just so crazy and so cool. And um, yeah, I love it. I think it's a really it's a really strong movie. Uh, definitely one that I think uh, is a little underrated. I think mm -hmm. uh, when you think of like movies around this this time, it's not one that is apparently uh, talked about. I think because you get overshadowed by like a lot of the final destinations or like the saw movies or like all these torture porn movies mm -hmm. but you get this movie which is like a old school creature feature i noticed that my list has a lot of those which we'll we'll read off a few other but yeah i'm glad you brought that up about the special effects because it's like during that time it was a lot of cg and you know just like kind of lazily doing kind of stuff but like the scene in particular when that guy walks up to uh, Michael Rucker's character and Rucker just kind of like um, throws out one of his like um, uh, tentacles and it like splits him down the middle and all of his guts falls out and shit. <laughs> like that part's all practical and it looks amazing still. Yeah. But yeah, so my number five, Slither by James Gunn. So my number four is um, Infamous for starring Paris Hilton, but it is House of Wax from 2005, I believe. Um, this is a remake of uh, an old uh, uh, movie, uh, House of Wax. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's the Mystery in the Wax Museum, I think is the name of the original title. Uh, but this is about a gang of college friends en route to a football game when they wind up in a, uh, in a ghost town with a flat tire. And they're forced to seek help in the only place that's open, the local wax museum. Uh, soon the group discovers that it's that they're being hunted by insane twin brothers who run the museum. Uh, this movie came out in a time where I was, I can't remember what I was doing, but I remember going to Blockbuster Video and I saw the DVD out and the cover and the, the cover with like Paris Hilton, like covered in wax and like, it just looked really cool. And I was like, I got to rent this movie because I did like, um, I mean, I like the, the ghost, the, the other movies that came out from this, from this time, the dark castle movies. So I was like, eh, I'm going to give it a shot. It looks fun. And, uh, so we, a lot of group, group of our friends, we got together. Dustin was one of them. Uh, my friend Dustin Kramer, if he's listening, and we just were like cracking up, laughing at Paris Hilton's death. But the movie was actually kind of serious, and mm -hmm. we—it was one of those movies we always would put on if we couldn't find anything else to watch. Like it mm -hmm. was a fun, like kind of party movie or whatever. Um, but it's one of my favorite uh, slashers from this time, and I like it better than the original. Mm -hmm. uh, and I will say, like just like the soundtrack itself. Pretty cool. Deftones, Minerva, uh, Disturbed with Prayer. Uh, you have the Von Bondies on there. Um, Prodigy with Juliette Lewis. Uh, Joy Division. So it's got a really solid like soundtrack. Uh, lots of cool up and coming uh, actors at that time, like Lisha Cooper before she went on to Happy Endings, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's a it's a cool, fun uh movie love the ending in the wax uh the wax house or museum or whatever um and what was cool is like that all the town and like the wax uh place that they were in was all built so that's all like um warner brothers money invested into this horror movie <laughs> so it's like a lot of money um so i thought it was cool and it was elaborate what did you think of this one that's one of those where I think like they created like kind of a slasher classic for the two thousands, like on accident, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cause like we were 
like we um and I feel like a lot of slasher fans did kind of like this, but I like that um I like that it's getting more love than it used to get because it's like um like ten years ago. Uh, there was only like a few, you know, probably just like really big slasher fans that were like, man, that movie was actually like really strong, you know, because yeah. you see Paris Hilton and stuff and you're kind of like running away usually, yeah. you know, if you're checking out a movie. But yeah, dude, I like I remember watching this with you back in the day and we like we always dug that movie, like the the setting and the creepy town and like um, just like those creepy houses when the guys taking their toe in their car in to get apart and yeah. Like, those wax figures are so fucking creepy. Like, I think it's, like, original. Even though it's, like, a remake, I think it's, like, original kind of story during that time period and stuff. And the kills are awesome. Like, the killers and kills are awesome. Oh, yeah. They did a cool, like... uh, Well, of course, the climax is, like, amazing. Like, seeing that whole wax building, like, on fire, what I Mm -hmm. thought was really cool. And, like, they're melting. And, like, it's kind of like that scene with Nancy and Nightmare on Elm Street where she's, like, Mm -hmm. running up the stairs. Like, it's all goopy and gooey. And that's kind of like a fear, uh, you know, when people are sleeping, like, that running slow into, like, this messy stuff. Um, So I I thought they did a good job with, like, the atmosphere. And, like, of course, the kills are cool. And just the look of, like, the one brother that's kind of (laughs) deformed with the mask. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you always have me when you have a deformed person with a mask on. Like, I'm already sold. Oh, absolutely. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I think Paris Hilton kind of distracted a lot of people then from it. But I think looking back on it now, since she's not in the pop culture periphery, like, it's pretty cool to, like, look back on it again. Look at the Scream Factory edition they put out. I actually got the collector's edition, which I have the poster for the new artwork on my wall. And I just love this movie. I think it's so cool. Yeah, that movie's dope, man. Uh, so yeah, number four. Uh, um, what is it called? Uh, oh, <laughs> fuck, House, fuck, of I, wax. House of Wax. Yeah, I was like Wax Museum, Wax. <laughs> but yeah, House of Wax. How could I forget that? Um, <laughs> so number four for me, uh, Cabin Fever. Eli Roth's Cabin Fever. I believe his first flick. So the synopsis is. College friends Paul, Karen, Bert, Marcy, and Jeff rent an isolated cabin in the woods to spend a week together. When they arrive, a man contaminated with a weird disease asks them for help, but they panic and burn the man who falls into the water <laughs> reservoir and dies. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, so it, the 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 disease kind of like jumps from person to person. This is another one of those movies. Um, and I still think it's Eli Roth's probably best movie. Yeah. Um, but this was the movie, like I mentioned the movie before with Slither. This is the movie like that's mainly to blame for me, like starting to buy and collect movies on my own and stuff. Uh, because I remember I bought this and like um, started getting to like the Eli Roth type of movie, like the, you know, the throwback into like stuff, like brutal stuff, like Sergio Martino's like torso and like, he always was like talking about like um, like Toxic Avenger and you know all this other stuff, and there was this movement in the two thousands like the Splatter Pack or whatever like they call them, where like all these guys were kind of doing throwbacks like Adam Green and Eli Roth and stuff like that, and I was so into that kind of movie. Even my next movie is like into that kind of scene where it's like okay, let's kind of throw this back and make like an isolation kind of creep fest that like you would have seen in the eighties. And I felt like they did a pretty good job of like grossing you out several times in this. Like one of the scenes that still sticks with me is when the chick's shaving 
and she has like an open cut on her leg and she just keeps on shaving over it. Oh my God, dude. Because people do that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The other scene that like was so fucking creepy is when that guy's poking a body with a stick. You remember that? And he like falls on top of it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, but did you like this one when it first came out? Oh yeah. I love this. I love this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. I hated all the sequels, but uh, this was a fun party movie for us. Like, uh, I mean, I know we watched it and I know a group of our friends, we would always watch it. We'd always get blazed out and just like crack the fuck up about <laughs> the scene where the kid like pancakes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's, I mean, the movie is just hilarious and there's so many parts in it that are unintentionally funny too, yeah. uh, I think, but um, it's a good movie. I think, it is. I, th- I think it's Eli Roth's best movie, of course. And um, what I think, what I think is cool is looking back on it. Um, there were, of course, there are a lot of movies I think that borrowed from that movie too, like that mm-hmm. concept, and even just the poster. Like I always loved that classic that cabin with the oh, small yeah. poster, and so many posters still replicate that look. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how you can tell that like a movie has made their impact. Like on uh, film culture but uh yeah it's funny and i love eli roth in the movie i think he's hilarious um, <laughs> dr mom isn't he like uh it's a, yeah <laughs> yeah he's like uh isn't he like okay i'll just take my weed and go or whatever and they're like no <laughs> yeah he's like it's like him and his dog and like he's a stoner like that they meet out in the woods <laughs> yeah he, he looks like a guy that you would come up to you and say i got that kind stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> But yeah, my number four, Cabin Fever. Bub, your number, your number three. My number three is my number three is my favorite movie from the two thousands. Um, and when I seen it, it wasn't because I was on a really bad date, and my date hated it, and I hated him, so mm-hmm. it was a bad experience. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I got to revisit this uh, with you all, and especially Dad. Dad loves this movie, uh-huh. uh, Jeepers Creepers from two thousand and one. Oh yeah, um, it's about a brother and sister driving home through isolated countryside for spring break when they encounter a flesh-eating creature, which is in the midst of a ritualistic eating spree. Um, I thought there was a fun fact about this that I wanted to share because I actually just found this out, but uh, the role of the creeper was actually written specifically for Lance Henriksen, which I think would have been interesting. Uh, I think the creeper uh, who ended up getting played by, I think they do a good job of, Mm -hmm. I think they made it so iconic that uh, they're going to be in the new movie that's supposed to be coming out jeepers creepers reborn i think it is mm-hmm. um but i really love this movie uh i love it that it's classic like throwback um despite victor salva being a shithead i love mm-hmm. his directing here his writing uh the characters are realistic and you believe them and like care for them and there's just so many weird twilight zone things about it like with mm-hmm. uh the creeper like you find out certain things about him, like as the story goes along and that scene where you find out that he has wings, I thought was so cool. And just the whole psychic connection that happens during the feeding with someone. Um, and there, there is a psychic in the movie too. And the whole scene, the breakout scene and the police, um, precinct where you would think you would be safe it just goes against so many rules uh especially during that time when there were a lot of teen slashers like this was a movie that was not only like kind of brutal but it was giving you like a different iconic 
uh, slasher villain, and that's why I I love this movie, and I know uh, our parent or our parents love this movie. Dad yeah. specifically loves this movie. Oh yeah, I think, I think maybe the- he met the creeper at one point. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but he loves the creeper. They went to the same school in Texas. <laughs> Probably. Uh, do, you, do you know what that opening is based on? Have you ever like? Um, there's an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. That's a true story, and this is like fucking horrific. These uh, this uh, boy and her and his sister, I think, were actually driving, and a truck like pulled up to him, I guess, and was like freaking him out, and then passed him. And I guess it's a true story that they passed this truck, and he was like dumping something in something. Ooh, that's yeah. Crazy. I th- I think that's like a true story, and I think they went back and couldn't figure out what he was putting down there or something. But uh, yeah, it was like, <laughs> that was like based on, if you watch the episode of um, uh, Unsolved Mysteries, like you can just Google like Jeepers Creepers Unsolved Mysteries and watch the whole segment. The whole segment is fucking creepy too. Yeah. It's like, it was taken like shot for shot though from that, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that's, that's a cool factoid. I didn't even know that, but that scene where he's dumping the bodies and they like drive past, that's creepy because you're in an area that's isolated and... Um, oh my god! Could you fucking and, imagine that happen? Oh my god! I would like squeal tires out of that place, man. Oh hell yeah! Well, and then they're like, and then they go to the like creepy cat lady's place. Like, there's so many weird moments <laughs> in the movie. Uh, but I, I love. I think the creeper is so cool. Like, and especially when you hear the song with the police, like when they're going down the street, and you hear like the '80s version of Jeepers Creepers playing, and like it's just so wild. I love it. Yeah. You, you like it, I'm assuming? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I dig that movie quite a bit, man. Um, I was bummed that I didn't get a chance to get the uh, Scream Factory one because they, I think they put it out, but I don't think they made a lot of them because of the whole, like, Victor Salva shit, you know. Good, like you, you mentioned it, him being a scumbag and stuff. Yeah, I think, and for the new one, they got rid of him and they got rid of the story he wrote, which is kind of sad because you won't get to see Trisha's whole arc from part mm-hmm. three because she featured she's featured at the end in the cameo. Um, so you won't get to see her hunting him, which I, I thought would have been cool. And But I'm kind of cool that they're they're continuing on without Victor because that's always going to be a problematic thing. Oh, yeah. And it's cool to give other uh, people like some creativity with it. And that's what happened with, you know, Friday the 13th and all of these iconic characters. So it was bound to happen. Um, yeah, it's absolutely. Good, good that it did. Roman Polanski, like the same kind of idea. It's like Rosemary's Baby, classic. You know, he's made so many classic movies, The Tenet. But yeah. it's like separating that, you know, the creator from the art is sometimes difficult for a lot of people. That's, um, But yeah, the Jeepers Creepers, Jeepers Creepers 2, I think, two uh, classic movies of the 2000s. It is interesting, like, um, and this ties into my next selection, which is uh, my number three, The House of the Devil, directed by Ty West. Um, it is interesting. I think there was something going on um, during this time where a lot of my a lot of my choices do like kind of um, play up the fact that it's like a nostalgic kind of like they're playing up the 80s or 70s or like hearkening back to an era of horror cinema. And I think that is interesting because the more original stuff of the time was that like you know the 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 torture porn and shit like that. Yeah. So maybe that says something about me, you know, that I was kind of like liking movies like Hatchet and you know stuff like that. Yeah. Um but yeah, this one was House of the Devil. Uh, synopsis. 
1983, financially struggling college student Samantha Hughes takes a strange babysitting job that coincides with a full lunar eclipse. She slowly realizes her clients harbor a terrifying secret putting her life in mortal danger. So I think this was one that we checked out either together or this was like right in the time when we were like watching movies like all the time together. Um, But what did you think about this one? Like, again, this one starts out and this is a perfect like October. I haven't made it through you and Doug's episode all the way. So I don't know if you guys uh, mentioned this one, but this one's like a perfect October movie for me because it starts out with that 80s synth theme and shit and i'm like all right i'm in like immediately from there uh yeah i i I do like this one i i went back and forth with it so much because i really the ending still bothers me a little bit because Mm -hmm. of i mean i'm not going to spoil it because it's worth checking out for sure (laughs) yeah uh but the ending really makes me pissed because i love a certain character and i'm like why did this happen to this character like this (laughs) But I get it because it's it's also an homage, not only to the 80s, but really to the 70s movies. Oh, yeah. The Satan and the Satanic Panic. So I get it now, and I appreciate that more. And I think that that movie and The Innkeepers are certainly his like best movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've really found a different love for The Innkeepers as well. But uh, I went to a horror hound and met Tom Noonan, who is Mr. Ullman in the movie, and he is as imposing in person as he is in the movie. Um, but I love this movie and uh, I'm glad it's on your list. It wasn't on our episode, but it's a really cool movie. And you can find this movie pretty cheap. Uh, I've, I actually found the Blu-ray for like five bucks out. Um, but yeah, I like it. I think it's a really cool throwback. Uh, the score is cool. The scenes of the house. And who wouldn't want to take a, a weird babysitting position in a big right. ass house? You know, I would. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing bad ever happens to babysitters. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought a very cool one. Like, I still love that movie. But yeah, my number three, House of the Devil. Bub, you're number two. So number two is going to tell you a lot about me as a person. <laughs> Rob uh, Zombie's Halloween. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You wish. Uh, you wish, after I say what this is. Uh, Black Christmas, Black Xmas okay. from 2006. Uh, if for, for those of you that have avoided this movie, because a lot of you hate this movie, I'm going to read you the synopsis. <laughs> the holiday season turns deadly for a group of sorority sisters. Already right there, you, you don't even need any more. Yeah, I'm in. Just take my money. Sorority sisters who are stranded at their campus house during a snowstorm. These co-eds better watch out for a vicious killer is on the loose and he will he will not care if they are naughty or nice. Um, speaking of true crime, there is a little nugget in there. In writing the character of Billy, Morgan, the writer, was inspired by the life of Edmund Kemper, a real-life mm. serial killer who was, as a child, locked in the basement of his home by his mother, whom he later murdered. I don't know if he used a cookie cutter to like cut her <laughs> flesh off and bake it in the oven like they did in the movie, but... Uh, just a little factoid there. Um, Agnes. <laughs> <laughs> She's my family now. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love Billy and I love that they gave Agnes an yeah. actual like, uh, uh, they gave it a character, like a separate character from Billy. Um, I know this is very controversial, but I like this movie better than the original. Uh, please don't egg my house. Um 
this is everything I want in a movie. It's mm-hmm. sleazy as hell. It's oh, yeah. Go- it's gory as hell. And it has that throwback 80s horror uh, vibe. Um, I think if Black Chris, if this movie would have came out in the 80s, it would have been as big as the other trash that I love. I think um, so too. Yeah. I, I really big a, did a, uh, sorry to cut you off, Bob. No, I really no. did a 180 on this um, because I did not. I, and I'm going to come out and personally apologize to this movie <laughs> and the makers of Black Christmas 06. Because like you said, it is, you kind of have to throw out the original. Like you kind of have to watch this. It, you kind of have to watch this and ignore the original completely. And just see this as an original slasher badass film. And that's what it is. It's a bloody, like you said, trashy, like awesome slasher movie. Yeah, I mean, you can't... Um you can't go in with all the baggage. Like that's the yeah. problem. And I think that's the problem with um, a lot of like the remakes, like Sorority Row was a remake of the house on Sorority Row. And you can't go in with the expectations that it's a remake because it's so vastly different. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I really enjoy that movie too. And it's oh, not I love on, that movie. I mean, we went to see it in the theater and we oh, enjoyed yeah. it. Um, but you know, I, I like those where they do something completely different. Like I, I think in the past, that wouldn't have been the case, but you have um, another movie that did that recently, which I wasn't sure about, but I really uh, in- enjoyed it. And that'd be leading into my next one. So I'll wait on that one. Uh, but I like this movie a lot. Uh, I think it's cool. I think it's uh, it, I think it's gotten a little bit more love. I'm hoping that they release it in a really cool release for a US release because it's only been released um, uh, region B or I think in Canada or something on Blu-ray. So I'm waiting for that time. But what's cool about this is the guy that wrote final destination actually wrote this screenplay as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a lot of, um, I guess, gore and stuff obviously was added to that, but, mm-hmm. uh, I like Billy and Agnes. I think they're really cool. And I'm, I'm <laughs> sad that they didn't get a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I've gotten to where like, I actually enjoy, um, like if you're gonna make a sequel or a remake, I do enjoy like the Texas Chainsaw, Texas Chainsaw 2 approach where it's just like, okay, throw everything out the window and let's just do an original kind of take on that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna go in, just go in. And what was funny about reading about this movie is um, there was an alternate ending where it just had um, the main actress picking up a phone and Billy calls her at the end, kind of like the original movie, mm-hmm. but they scrapped it and went ahead and went for him being impaled by the Christmas tree. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was a smart move on their part. Yeah, it was, it was. Yeah. It was, it, it, it was what needed to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it was what was, re- it was what the script called for. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. So they, they was a win-win and it was from dimension. So I think it, you know, you have that time period of like, I think it was like scream three had already been out and they were still trying to hold on to that slasher movement. So definitely. Yeah. And that's another thing that this one did, man, is it's like, yeah, you mentioned like scream three and Valentine, even though I love Valentine, you know, it's much in that same approach as scream. And then this one almost isn't because it's like, it's just totally balls to the wall. Like yeah. it's almost like a hatchet kind of thing where it's like, okay, we're yeah. just going to go all out and like legs are going to be flying, you know, like shit like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, e- excellent choice. Um, so this next one I think is a, a film classic and uh, one of my absolute favorite films like overall. Um, and it's 28 days later by uh, Danny Boyle. 
So synopsis, and I'm sure like a lot, most people have seen this. That's listening to this uh, Brothers Graham episode. Uh, four weeks after a mysterious, incurable virus uh, spreads throughout the UK, a handful of survival survivors try to find sanctuary. I was like doing a little bane there, and no survivors. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is like. Like I said, I, I went through several waves, like in my early twenties, you know, like figuring out who I was as a horror fan and stuff. And one of the big waves was like zombies. Zombies were fucking everywhere, and it was this. It was Brian King's The Rising. It was um, uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dawn of the Dead. Um, it was a bunch of these movies that were like that. I fell in love. I was at the age where I wasn't annoyed with the zombie craze yet. But I was, like, captivated in it, you know? After a while, it got to a crazy fucking point. But, like, I was totally in when this movie came out. Bub, do you like this movie, The 28 Days Later? I love it, yeah. I like both of them, actually. Mm -hmm. I I think uh, the first one, obviously, Danny Boyle is a great director. I discovered uh, Sunshine way after it had already come out. And I I love that movie, too. Arguably a horror movie. Sunshine, yeah. Definitely, yeah. I, I was surprised at how horror he went in, in it. Um, but yeah, for this one, I, I like the way the zombies look. I think they're really unique looking, which I think is cool. It kind of reminds me of the old Italian. Uh, I think it's um, I think it's one of like the demons or zombie offshoots in Italy that has the zombies look like that with like the eyes. And um, mm. I think that's cool. But also just uh, like the score and like the characters, like everything just meshed so well together in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's just something about, and this is like a zombie slash infected movie. I don't know if anybody's going to hit us in the comments about that, trying to pwn us. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like hit, getting hit with The Walking Dead and this and, you know, um, um, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. It was like zombie craze just took off, and that was like the that was like the monster for a couple years there. And like a lot of um, a lot of the two thousands were marred by like a lot of zombie movies, Zombie Diaries, fucking uh, Flight of the Zombies, or whatever the hell uh, <laughs> Flight of the Dead. I think was an actual movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, zombie craze and vampire craze were fucking everywhere. But this is one of those that really really stuck out. Also, if you, like a good writing or doing work, like soundtrack to listen to like that soundtrack. It fucking slaps as the kids say, but yeah, that's my number two, 28 days later, bub. Do you want to give us a rundown and then your number one, I believe, right? Yeah. So I'll do a rundown. I have to look at my list because I've, I put like 50 on my list earlier. And I'm like, <laughs> Wait, what did I put again? Um, so I got final destination from 2000. Uh, great, great, great. House of Wax, 2005, awesome movie, uh, hardcore soundtrack, Black Christmas, 2006, um, and yeah, so we have those. Oh, and Jeepers Creepers, I think I, I know, I maybe skipped that. Jeepers Creepers, 2001, um, and we are getting to my final selection for number five, uh, or whatever, a Wrong Turn from 2003. Um, I went back and forth with why I had issues trying to figure out what was the last movie I was going to put. But ultimately, I think because um, I dig, this is a slasher, sort of a backwoods slasher movie. Um, but uh, I'll explain why I love it. But um, a group of friends are traveling when they have car trouble in West Virginia. 
Uh, if you've ever been to West Virginia, you know nothing good comes out of it. <laughs> you do not want car trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want car trouble in West Virginia. Uh, stranded, the friends discover that they're being stalked by a horde of backwoods cannibals. The woodsmen are hungry and fierce, and they'll be eating well unless the friends outsmart them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this one was out of all of the cannibal research of movies with the Texas Chainsaws, The Hills Have Eyes. Um, I think this one was just a little bit uh, further up for me because uh, the man, Stan Winston, created the uh, creature effects and he designed or he served as a producer for the movie. Uh, if you don't know who Stan Winston is, uh, check out his his uh, indie movies like Jurassic Park, for example, <laughs> uh, Terminator, Alien, Predator. So he did, uh, obviously, uh, the backwoods uh, cannibals in this movie. Pumpkinhead. Uh, Pumpkinhead, his directorial debut, I think mm-hmm. it was. Um, so yeah, the man knows his creatures. And I think he did a really exceptional job with this movie creating them. Uh, I think the person that designed their like house and like all of the little small details, I think were there to create a world uh, way different than, you know, Texas Chainsaw and Hills Have Eyes, but similar in, in tone and a throwback feature for sure. Uh, and that's why I picked this one. I love it. I remember me and you and like mom and Sharon and like Cindy, maybe. I don't know who went to the movie theater that day. I just know it was me and you and, and maybe Rob. Um, but that was like a turned up movie theater experience. I mean, <laughs> our uh, mom and stepmom were like, you know, just going off, like screaming and talking the whole time. It was just a fun <laughs> theater experience. Um, it was just fun. I, I, I love it. I think it's a really cool. And obviously I love uh, the cast. Eliza Dushku is one of my favorite uh, actresses in from this time period. Uh, so it was cool to see her um, in a different role, I guess, as a final girl. So uh, what do you think of this movie? Now, you are talking about part two with Henry Rollins, right? Or... Ooh, I love that one. <laughs> that oh, movie's awesome, man. It's so good. Uh, I was going to mention, too, and this was one of the movies I was talking about having a you know resurgence, having mm-hmm. the, uh, the movie that comes out that's so different. And that's with the remake that came out in January, I think, of this year, which you should go check it out, too. Uh, but this one, I think, is far superior still. Yeah, I think so too. I dug the I dug the new one, but I like I appreciated what they were trying to do. But yeah, this one was the was the movie for me in the series. Um like you said, yeah, our our mom going to the theater is like one of the most fun people. Like if you can get past the commentary, then she <laughs> like every time a scary scene happens, she's just like ah! like and like literally screams out loud. Um, but yeah, very, very animated and like, uh, she loves like this type of movie too, which is also always fun, you know, to visit with her. Um, but yeah, the wrong turn series is another one that our dad like really loved as well. Like he always loves those backwoods and like you mentioned the Hills have eyes. Like, I don't know what it is about him that loves that kind of shit, but like, (laughs) I think he met these people like where, wherever the hell he was from, I don't think he was from where he says he's from, but yeah. Uh, area, some Area 51 shit. Um, so The Hills Have Eyes, Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out this decade as well, like the remakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, both movies, I think, are really good. Hills Have Eyes, I think, is still like far superior to the original. I love the original. But there's something about the effects and just like the cool um, the cool death scenes in Wrong Turn that I think are really top notch. And the one standout scene to me that I just love is when they're climbing the trees and one of the cannibals is like after them and mm-hmm. they're trying to like 
you know, go across these tr big ass tree branches to get to the other side. I thought that was something that you have never seen in a movie before, like trying to escape <laughs> that way. And that just was really suspenseful. And I just love that scene. I think it's so cool. You know, you mentioned, you just uh, threw this into my mind, but like uh, this, this decade in particular, like the 2000 to 2009, 10, is like it had like kind of a resurgence of these kind of movies too with like you said the hills have eyes wrong turn you had rest stop you had house of a thousand corpses you had um hill uh did i already say hills have eyes uh you had what, what are some other ones that i'm forgetting well of course the hills have eyes spawn sequels like uh but yeah you had a bunch of these kinds of movies where like it's a group of kids like even like joyride kind of fits into this kind of stuff or but like, it's like did a, you ever watch monster man <laughs> yeah monster yeah monster man too for that sure for sure but it's like this group of kids and they're going somewhere and they're like getting assaulted by like these like hillbilly group of people or backwoods or like mutants or you know it's just something <laughs> like that and it's like they made so many types of these movies though in that little short time frame yeah yeah i mean i think this was one that kind of spawned that whole cannibal resurgence i think um yeah, and even you have like the I forget that that there's like an old uh, maybe they still put them out. Anytime a popular movie would come out, they would come out with like the great value version, and there was like <laughs> yeah. the hillside cannibals. I think is what it was called. Um, they they would like do like a transmorphers, and they had like all these weird like titles for the the great value versions but yeah. i mean when you have a great value version of what you put out as an artist you have arrived it's like when uh, thor came out and there was like the mighty thor <laughs> 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 they're just trying to trick people there's a whole right. company trying to trick people yeah so yeah like uh, and we'll get into some honorable mentions after my number one so my number five was slither my number four was camp cabin fever my number three was house of the devil my number two, 28 Days Later. And my number one is, and this is in no order for me. This is all like just, you know, the, my five, kind of five favorites of mine. Uh, number one for me is The Mist, uh, directed by Frank Darabont. Again, it's kind of like one of those like throwback, like a B movie that takes itself a little bit more seriously than a B movie kind of thing. But uh, directed by Frank Darabont, who went on to, you know, he, he did like Shawshank Redemption and he's done a lot of King stuff and then Walking Dead. Um, a freak storm unleashes a species of bloodthirsty creatures on a small town where a small band of citizens hole up in a supermarket and fight for their lives. So uh, a quick story about this one. Um, so I actually bought this when it first came out. And uh, me, my mom and Frank, um, this is when I think, Bub, you had moved out already. Uh, me, my mom, and Frank would always stay up way too late on school nights and watch movies and order pizza. That's one of the reasons why I'm morbidly obese to this day. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> we were eating fucking Domino's one night, and Frank was like, um, "And this is going to be a spoiler for the Mist, but it's 2007. You know, it's 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 14 years ago at this point." Yeah. But uh, he goes, "Yeah, that movie. I hadn't seen it at this point, but mom and Frank had watched it the night before." And he goes, yeah, that movie rocked. I still don't know why he had to kill his kids at the end. And I was just like, dude, are you fucking serious? <laughs> so the, the the spoiler was completely ruined for me. But as I was sitting there watching it, it almost didn't take it away from me. Because it was still like you're getting to live with these characters. There, something about a movie where people are trapped. It's kind of like the cabin fever thing. It's like people are trapped and there's something out there. 
you know, in, in the fog or, you know, in the in the mist. But yeah. what did you think about Frank Darabont's The Mist, though? Oh, it rocks. I mean, it was it was definitely one that I considered putting on my list. And the only reason I didn't put it there is because I put movies on my list that I know I, I constantly go back to. And mm-hmm. that's a movie that's so heavy that I can't constantly go back to it. Oh, my but God. Yeah. So, but it's so heavy, but it's so epic that it's <laughs> it's one of, you know, one of my favorite movies, I think, ever. Like, it's it's so great. And I like to read the books or read the stories before I go watch them. And I did read this before I went to go see it or I think watched it on DVD or whatever. But um, there's a scene at the end where the big Lovecraftian creature like walks over the street. And that's where the story ends in the book. So I thought the movie was done because up to that point, uh, he had done a really good job of of giving you an expanded version of what happens in the book or the story, a short story. Mm -hmm. Um, so seeing that ending, I was like, wait, what's happening here? Why are we <laughs> continuing with this? Uh, because it's very ambiguous what happens in the book. So the fact that they did that, um, it was heavy as hell and it's so sad, but it's so perfect for that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love it. The acting is good. Marsha Gay Harden, I think it is, who plays the the religious freak. Uh, oh, yeah. She, she just sold the hell out of that role. And I'm honestly surprised she didn't get no love like with the Academy Award, a supporting actor award or nothing. But uh, it's very well acted, very well written. Um, the effects are cool. The black and white version rocks. So, Oh, yeah. I'm glad that you said that because uh, that DVD version is kind of hard to find now, isn't it, with the black and white version? You can get it on Blu-ray if you get the two disc. They have okay. the black and white. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool. Uh, yeah, it's a great, great pick. Very such cool a cool movie. movie. Such yeah. a cool movie, and it's like that's one thing I love about King and these types of stories. Is it's like you have people of every different background, and this is literally what would happen if something fucked up was going on. It's like you know, as we've seen with the pandemic and stuff, it's like people are going to start to put themselves first. People are going to have problems with other people. Like, or like start to get greedy or, you know, there's only a limited supplies and there's so many people going around. It's like all those problems that seem so in- insignificant become like super huge when you're stuck under one roof and there's like fucking big gargantuan monsters outside and shit. The spider yeah. monsters were cool too, man. Oh, the spider monsters are awesome. And <laughs> I will mention this and only because I'm going to throw this in there in yet another episode, but... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, if you haven't seen Midnight Mass yet, watch it because it is a it is very much a Stephen King love letter. And the mist, uh, there's there's a lot of the mist in that series. And I know Mike Flanagan loves Stephen King, and I know that he he's done Stephen King works before. But mm-hmm. uh, have you watched Midnight Mass yet? I have not. Watch? No. Okay, um, you would like it because you you like the mist, but. For those listeners out there, definitely check it out. Um, but The Mist is, yeah, it's such a solid movie. It's so well done. Yeah, so that that's my number one. Now, Bub, let's use this next portion of the show to kind of just rattle off some, um, you know, movies that we love from the 2000s. This is all like honorable mentions, but I know I have a few. and We'll just go back and forth here. Yeah. Well, I think we should start with The Ring from 2002. Yes. And that was that was on both of our lists and we just took it aside because it deserves its own little section but uh, it's a 2002 uh, film directed by Gore Verbinski. Mm-hmm. Um he's awesome. He's great. 
uh, director at setting tone, you know, atmosphere. This movie is dripping with atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Um, it is a remake, of course, of the 1998 Japanese horror film Ring. Uh, if you have not seen that one, Arrow put out an awesome Blu-ray of that, and it's definitely worth checking out. It is creepy as hell as well. Um, you know, I have a confession to make. Um, I think that... So two of my goals on here and on Horrifying My Friends and uh, even your show, like if you ever want to horrify me or whatever, Japanese horror like absolutely scares the shit out of me. And I think one of the reasons why is because I'm not used to the tropes, like the tropes of American horror. You can kind of see where everything's going and kind of predict where everything's going. A lot of these, like I think we watched, um, one time over at your house, we watched, it was either Dark Water or One Missed Call, and that movie scared the fuck out of me, man. Like, all the white figures and shit, like, there's just like a creepiness about it, like the, oh, a lot of the Japanese. Juon. It was Juon. Juon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that one's a really solid uh, movie. I mean, nothing could take that... Uh, you can't take that tone culturally and apply it to American standards. And that's yeah. obviously how the grudge and the ring works, you know, as a, mm -hmm. as a uh, remake. But um, yeah, there is something about Japanese horror that really is very unsettling. This, the ring is actually based off of a book too, which if you haven't read it, it's really good. I read it uh, a little while after the movie had been out, but uh, it's from the nineties and it's very creepy. And they talk about the, what spirals mean and what rings are like the symbolism and behind it and it's really dark and so if you're i i think it's trichophobia the people that are afraid of like um like the holes or whatever um it's I very just it's very descriptive <laughs> um so if you if you are and you read that you probably won't want to read it because it's it's very creepy but um yeah i think that you should definitely get into more japanese horror there are some tons yeah. Of Japanese horror out there that are super solid, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, definitely. I I remember when you and mom came over that day and watched this movie at my apartment. Oh, uh, and this had the surround sound on, and mm -hmm. yeah, very cool. Yeah, the um, I I told it on our metal podcast, uh, Guillotine Press, but that was the day that I like took your Corn Issues CD. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I I always like link Corn Issues with the Ring because it was like of the same time period and shit. <laughs> but yeah, the the like the the atmosphere in that movie man and anything with a videotape or like technology like i've i've always said this like with uh, just talks with producer kate like anything with technology or getting a random text or getting a random like uh facetime or getting a random like any kind of random email or something like share this or you're gonna die like all that shit scares the shit out of me and i think it's because of movies like the ring and scream and you know, like stuff like that, that were tied to technology. Yeah. Like the, even, uh, even David Lynch's lost highway where he's like, he gets that videotape in the mail and it's like him being filmed while he's sleeping. It's yeah. like, that shit is like so scary to me, man. It's like an invasion of like my privacy kind of thing. Yeah. I don't like it either. Like there's, oh. you get a lot of Facebook requests and one, like you'll look at it and you'll like see that there's no picture and I'm like, no, uh, -uh that ain't right. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. that's not <laughs> you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, there's something about the movie and Samara, the actress that plays her in the movie did such a cool job of playing like the, the, the ghoul, but then there's also the contortionist that played Samara as 
you know, when she crawls and things, but uh, there's one, there's movie moments that you can't take back because you've already seen them. But the end of the movie where she comes out of the TV is just so iconic and so terrifying. Yeah, um, It can't be replicated. Like it's no. just so cool. Such a cool concept. Yeah. And that, that video, like the scenes of that video, just a bunch of random shit, like a ladder leaning up against a building, a woman jumping off a cliff, like that. Um, the, what, what is always ingrained in my head is like that view from the, um, from the bottom of the sewer or the cellar where Samara actually is. And it's like, just looking up and that, like, uh, that top is just slowly going over it. It's almost yeah. like an eclipse. Yeah. Oh man. A lot of creepy fucking visuals in that movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the ring absolutely was going to be on both of our lists. Uh, just to throw another one out there that I know you're fond of. And, um, and, and I actually think this is better than the original. Uh, and that's the crazies. I think it was from Oh six. Um, but yeah, that one, I, that one I think is one of the, one of the few, um, like remakes that I think is actually stronger than the original. I think we had two. I think we had this one and Hills have eyes. I like them both. Uh, better than the original actually but the crazies has a creepiness to it too like out on the farm and you know people just start going crazy yeah yeah i think it was i think it's an awesome movie i, I remember going to the theater i think to see that and uh, i was pretty impressed with how they made them not zombies but they were kind of still were unique in their own way with the, mm -hmm. the makeup that they put on them and uh i remember the scene at the beginning with like the baseball field or whatever like oh yeah yeah that's a cool movie it's a good pick um I would throw one out there called, um, well, there's several that I would want to throw out there, but um, Silent Hill, great adaption. Yeah, um, Probably the best ever to this point. Would you agree? Like, I, I don't know if there's anything that can fuck with it as far as like video game adaptations. Yeah, I don't think so. I think that Silent Hill is probably the best. It's a marriage of like good story, uh, good uh, uh, acting. Like Alice Creed is playing, you know, in the movie. She's always in those roles, like Sleepwalkers. She played the mom. Like she was in Gretel and Hansel as the witch. Like she's always a really creepy person. And there she plays, obviously, like this weird religious nut. Um, but what I thought was cool about this one is I didn't know this, but if you watch the extras on the Blu-ray or the DVD, uh, it shows how the creatures were, like as actual practical effects in a lot of the scenes. And when she, when uh, the character meets the, the first ghoul, like walking, uh, there's like a person like in plastic bags. And like, it's really cool how they created the creatures or just like a contortionist, the one that goes into the bathroom, that scene. Mm -hmm. And so like seeing like th the way that they thought that out, I actually thought a lot of that was like CGI, like embellished. But um, yeah, it was, it's pretty cool. It's a cool, cool, uh, cool movie. So my next one is a uh, trick or treat from 2007. Uh, actually, could have been on my list. Uh, it's it's one of those movies that continues to get bigger and bigger, and it's kind of a uh, it's it's come in with like Halloween, Halloween two, Halloween three as like a must watch this time of year. Just some point, you know. Usually it's like later on in October or at the beginning to kind of set that mood. But I love the anthology kind of uh, storytelling in this and the creation of a new like kind of horror icon that you see on the back of cars now. You see people with tattoos of Sam. Um, but yeah, it's it's really cool. Like uh, I know like um, when producer Kate watched this and uh, Brooks, like they they like watched it like last week, you know, just like totally independent of me. They like fell in love with this movie, man. But um, yeah, obviously you love Trick or Treat though, right? 
Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's definitely a staple every year. Watch on Halloween, just just like watching Halloween uh, from John Carpenter. Trick or Treat is one that I always pop in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a new classic. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, let me throw out a couple more, and I want to. We'll take these like uh, kind of two at a time. I know you got a lot too. I'll, I'll we'll start putting out two at a time. Um, I wanted to put on Sam Raimi's Return to Horror, Drag Me to Hell, yeah. and The Descent. A, another creature feature uh, worthy to bring up. Um, so these two movies I know I saw um, in theaters, especially Drag Me to Hell. Um, this was a big deal like around that time. I think it was like 08, 09. And it was like kind of a build because Sam Raimi had just had that falling out with Spider-Man 3 and you know all this other stuff. And it was kind of billed as like, okay, Sam Raimi's heading back to horror. And I think he really delivered because this movie is like a lot of fun. Uh, really, really fucking funny. Like I remember the the seance scene when they're doing that and the goat, <laughs> like with the goat and shit. I think this movie got a pretty sick release too, was from Scream Factory, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bub, what do you think about Drag Me to Hell? Oh, I love it. It's so fun, especially when uh, I always remember her name because it's uh, Christine, <laughs> but she's like, uh, wait, um, yeah, it's cute. I mean, you know, when you have a cat, and he's like, wait we had a cat we have a cat she's like oh yeah well you know how cats are yeah because <laughs> she killed the cat yeah it's like, oh shit <laughs> um yeah that's a good that's a good pick uh mm-hmm. i like that one i think it's sam raimi's best for being pg-13 definitely i think so too yeah i'd probably go there as well and then to the descent i think i know is one that you um, oh, yeah. introduced me to as well and that's another one of dad's favorites like dad really loves the the humanoids underground and shit like that but yeah that's the descent is just a classic of this era as well oh descent's great i remember going to the theater with one of my best friends ron we were there we were the only ones in the theater and we were just like murdered at the end like we were just like <laughs> what did we just watch and we had to watch it again it was such a cool movie mm-hmm. such a such a deep movie too oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'll throw just a couple more out there. Um, uh, one that um, Dead Silence from James Wan. I oh. think it's one of my favorites of his. I think it's a cool uh, doll horror movie. Um, I like the the tone and like the killer, like Mary Shaw. Uh, there's a really cool uh, scenario with how she operates and um, has love- that, has, oh, that ahead, moment, has that moment where you see like all the tongues that are like attached to each other, like that. Oh. Tongue. I always thought it was a cool concept, and I'm surprised it didn't catch on more. But uh, you know, it's it came out after Saw, so it's it's cool to see that uh, there's like a hidden uh, little nugget in there for people that want to check out James Wan movies that aren't as popular, I guess. Yeah, like I always liked the mythology that this movie set up, like that spooky coastal town. It almost reminded me of a uh, like an episode of like. Uh, uh, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. You remember that killer show that they ran yeah. in like the mid 2000s? That, that yeah. show is awesome, by the way. If yeah. anybody's not watched it, it's like an absolute must-watch. Um, but yeah, they're, like that spooky atmosphere, and like you said, they're hunt, they're uh, trying to find this. Is is she an old witch or something that has all these dolls, or what was the? Yeah, well, she's an old. I think she's just like an old lady that loves her dolls, and I think one of them she treats like as her kid. I think her kid died or something. Um, but yeah, she has like this huge collection of uh, of puppets, and and I think she's a little <laughs> off. God damn. Uh, you know, obviously anybody that has a huge collection of puppets is a little off. So. <laughs> 
who lives in this giant mansion alone yeah. and wears dark black dresses. You're a little off. Yeah. You're so I'm going to let you throw that. out uh, a couple more because I know you like you have. I'm actually like done over here with my list, so <laughs> I know you have a lot. I'll fire off. I'll. I mean, obviously Valentine. Denise Richards, you don't need to say anymore. Uh, Hills Have Eyes, we talked about earlier. Texas Chainsaw, we already talked about. But there were two Friday the 13th movies. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, the Friday the 13th remake, which I want to say is more of a sequel or in betweenquel kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and Freddy vs. Jason, which we went to see. Great soundtrack. Uh, Sorority Row, we talked about. Toolbox Murders, really cool Toby Hooper um, uh, movie that is kind of one of those lower key efforts, I think. Very underrated, I think. Very underrated, very cool uh, coffin baby he created. Yeah. Uh, who doesn't like a character named Coffin Baby? With a performance uh, by Sherry Moon Zombie. Yeah, exactly. Outside of her husband. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just three really quick The Strangers, Darkness Falls, which I think is a very fun, campy movie. Oh, yeah. And uh, Stay Alive, uh, which is also a cool uh, Alice Creege uh, as a villain, uh, sl supernatural slasher movie. But uh, yeah, I mean, lots and lots of cool 2000s horror. By the way, I'm starting to agree with you about, and I never thought I would say this about these oh, two movies. Oh, stop the presses. <laughs> I never thought I'd say this about these two movies. But I think The Strangers Part 2 is better than Strangers Part 1. I finally turned you. <laughs> I think it is, dude. I totally I, I know, like, we watched it with Robbie, and Robbie was about to beat the shit out of me. But, like, uh, we watched it with him. And, you know, he didn't dig it, obviously, but I was like, there are a lot of, like, iconic and fun scenes in this movie. Like, I think the movie's just fun. I think it's a lot more fun. Yeah, I mean, the, the first one is not fun. It's very it's creepy. It's creepy. It's creepy. It's tone. It's nihilistic. And it's just brutal. And yeah. I, I, I like it a lot, but uh -huh. I like the tone of the second because it's campy. It's, um, you know, the soundtrack is killer. And uh, like you said, oh. those iconic moments and that moment where the score kicks in and she's running from the car on fire like Christine. <laughs> that, I mean, there's so many moments in it, but that scene is just like so badass, I think. When that 80s, um, when that 80s like kind of theme is uh, pumping through, I can't remember the damn song now, but uh, it's sitting and it's so fucking creepy because it, they're in a trailer and they see car lights. And um, this old lady gets up and she's just like, you know, Harold, uh, somebody's outside or, you know, something like that. Oh, uh, Kids in America. That's a great song. Yeah. Where are the kids in it? And it's just like a truck that's empty with the, its lights pointing towards the trailer. And I'm like, dude, that is so fucking spooky, man. That, that soundtrack is really good. I mean, it's a it's a killer soundtrack. Um, the pool I mean, scene. The oh. pool scene, yeah, the pool scene, the scene where he kills uh, the dad in the car, mm -hmm. and uh, the I forget the name of the song that comes on, but it's just cool how they created. He, I mean, this is the guy that's also directing the new Resident Evil too, mm -hmm. and he did uh, Forty Seven Meters Down, or the sequel, or maybe no, he did Forty Seven Meters Down, but um, yeah, he has that vibe where he does that eighties ish homages to stuff and. Uh, I'm glad that I converted you. I told you. <laughs> There's a lot of people that will not say that, but um, we're tired of pretending it's not true. Yeah, it's that Joker me. <laughs> it's better, and I'm tired of pretending that it's not. It's better. <laughs> um, 
I, I, I have crickets though when I say that about Black Christmas, but I'll, I'll <laughs> I digress. <laughs> so what else did you have in here? You sent me a list. Okay, so you said. Um, I have think you we rediscovered your love for Stay Alive? Stay Alive is actually a really good movie. Me and Logan used to watch that all the time because um, it was about uh, they they started playing a video game and then they noticed that if you die in the game, you die in real life, right? Yep, yep. And it, the villain was like that lady that bathed herself in blood or something, right? Yeah, lady Bathory, yeah. She actually gets cursed by, or they, she cursed, somebody curses the game or however it works. They invoke her inadvertently, or I don't, I don't remember how it went, but um, yeah. And so she's seeping through the video game and what the, the ritual that you do in the game is what invokes her. And mm-hmm. I always thought that was a cool concept. And I, I'm waiting for that to get a little bit of love. Um, but yeah, that was a, that's a, it's a cool little chiller, I think. It's a cool supernatural so, slasher. So two more that I have. Um, one, I wanted to focus on Freddy versus Jason because we did go see that in theaters, and that is still one of my um, favorite theater experiences of all time because that theater was lit. Like you said, the soundtrack is lit. It's like um, uh, Kill Switch Engage and Slipknot and like a bunch of other like you know musical acts from that time on that soundtrack i think like uh, static x and like a bunch of other i think is there yeah yeah um but that one was one of my absolute favorite theater experiences because it's like there's nothing like seeing those two icons on the big screen and the audience is just like so loose and just having fun because they know exactly what they're about to get you know yeah um one other one that i wanted to throw out well uh, i'll throw out two more and um uh it's the rise and fall the rise of leslie vernon behind the mask Oh yeah, and, uh, I forgot that came out around that time. Yeah, and the hills run red. Uh, I think was another one, and unless yeah. I'm unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, that, I think that was like latter, like 2009, 2010, right? Yeah. Yeah, 2009. Yeah. yeah so the that's hills. A, that's a cool one. Yeah, and uh, the rise of Leslie Vernon was one that you introduced me to as well, and that one was like a. Uh, we could have thrown like Shaun of the Dead and stuff like that. See, I don't think Shaun of the Dead's more of a comedy, whereas like. The Rise of Leslie Vernon, I see more of a slasher. I don't know, like, I don't know why or what separates yeah. that, but I think it's a little bit more horror. Just a fun movie, very smart, very funny. And then The Hills Run Red is actually another one of those, like, very underrated ones, but it's a group of young horror fans go searching for a film that mysteriously vanished years ago, but instead find that the demented killer from the movie is real, and he's thrilled to meet fans who will die gruesomely for his art. So baby I revisit, <laughs> yeah, Babyface, again another cool killer man, and I revisited this when um I got the Scream Factory edition of that, and um just a killer edition and a, a, an unheralded movie like an under underrated movie, um uh, but what did you think about that one? Oh yeah, both of them I love, and I actually forgot both of those were a part of the two thousands to be honest. Um, but I would say, and we'll probably have an episode where we talk about movies that deserve sequels. But I would definitely say The Rise of uh, Leslie Vernon, um, definitely The Hills Run Red. Um, even I would throw out one, Laid to Rest, which is a really cool one. Laid to Rest, um, really good, yeah. Hatchet. Shitty sequel, but yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a fun one too. And of course, the Hatchet Hatchet 1 Hatchet 2, I think, were mm-hmm. solid. But yeah, I love, uh, I love Leslie Vernon and, and Hills Run Red. I think those are really cool. Uh, movies and of course Robert England and, and uh, Leslie Vernon. I mean, 
plays he's playing like a Donald Pleasance kind of character. So oh yeah, that's kind of fun. Oh yeah, I was about to set it off in this motherfucker because I thought that Lake Placid was the 2000 movie, and I was about to smack you with that. But yeah. Lake Placid was 99, so <laughs> it just escaped the. Because uh, I was like, wait a minute, Lake Placid was in the 2000s, but yeah. So I think that's about gonna do it as far as like the th- 2000s go. Um, if we miss some, hit us in the comments with those. Of course, we probably love it, but there's just so many movies that came out and um because i'm sure we didn't say like some big ones you know that came out during that period but these are kind of like some of our favorites that we revisit and go back to bub um where can they they can find us both on brothers groups episodes on your podcast and on mine but you want to plug your podcast uh fatal follower presents yeah you can find me at uh, fatal follower presents uh on uh Twitter on Facebook and Fatal Follower on Horror Amino and of course Fatal Follower presents a podcast. Uh, you can find me on Spotify and Apple and other uh, platforms, but check for me on Anchor. That's where you can see the whole uh, link tree. Where mm-hmm. You can see all of the uh, platforms that I'm on. Um, yeah, I mean this is super fun. I always enjoy doing these countdowns, these these <laughs> uh, focuses on all the, the stuff that Travis and I like watching and we grew up watching and will continue to watch and pass down to others. So oh yeah. Yeah. Very cool. yeah so so we still got the tens. We have the the nineties and the eighties, I think. I don't think have we done the eighties? I think we've just done the seventies and the two thousands, right? I think we always do the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we even did the eighties tonight. <laughs> yeah. The, it's uh yeah everything is either an homage to the 80s or we're doing the 80s so it's yeah. a, a branch out i suppose oh <laughs> uh, but yeah these are always a blast um and of course like horrifying my friends it's on facebook and instagram and horrifying mf on twitter uh but yeah these are always a blast uh go and check out fatal follower presents um for other brothers Grimm episodes and bub is over there doing uh donnie's over there doing special things with horror fans and horror collectors and it's like a really cool really cool show that hmf and fatal follower are like brother and brother (laughs) but yeah the two uh one fatal follower presents a great show so go check that out um but yeah bub i want to thank you for uh doing the list with me and it yeah these are always a good time to sit and talk to my brother about about horror movies yes which is special to both of us yes definitely we need to have like mom or dad join us on one of these one day yeah and just have like, like a, have like a saw is family saw your, <laughs> saw your night <laughs> i just noticed that you said saw and i just noticed we didn't even say saw but it's like yeah that's never been Saul's good but you know yeah. so we'll get blasted in the comments because of that but <laughs> yeah I'm not, i don't go there i'm surprised you didn't do any rob zombie stuff uh see if I did, um, see, House of a Thousand Corpses almost made mine. Devil's Rejects is one of my favorites. I felt like since we just covered that, though, I was like, ah, I'll leave that off, you know. Um, but Devil's Rejects would be right in line with, like, the wrong turns and all that stuff. Like, that level of just yeah. running into a bunch of rednecks and not having a very good day about it. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, this has been incredibly fun. And, um, like you said, check out both of our podcasts uh, and our uh, coming together to talk horror uh, from week to week or sometimes skipping a week. But, um, yeah, have fun and have a spooky rest of your month, horror heads. Pancakes! <laughs>
Thanks for stopping by. Beautiful presents.